Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, and welcome to Academy Rewind, the fortnightly podcast where we take a look at the Oscars from years past. I am Tim, and with me, as always, is my man who just loves taking a stroll through Mayberry. It's Palmer. How are you today? Don't change the subject, Thimble Swiggler. (laughs) How long have you been waiting to say that? Oh, a while. (laughs) That was one of my favorite scenes in Music Man. (laughs) The librarian's just like, good morning, Mrs. Mayor. How are you? Don't change the subject. That was great. That, I have yeah. an issue with this book. <laughs> uh, we will get to the music man, but before that, we uh, we will be talking about a few other best picture nominees for the Academy Awards for the year 1963. They are as follows: To Kill a Mockingbird, The Longest Day, The Music Man, Mutiny on the Bounty, and Lawrence of Arabia. Palmer, what's one best picture? Uh, to Kill a Mockingbird. That is incorrect. It is what? Lawrence of Arabia. I can't believe you didn't know that. I feel like that's like. An extremely famous was... best picture. I mean, it is, but oh, but man. it is, but yeah, I didn't want it to be true. So yeah, I know, like yeah, no, you, you know, to kill a mockingbird would be a solid choice. Yeah, um, but it's not. It's in comparison to movies of of grandeur, like of scope, like Lawrence of Arabia. It's not usually what the Oscar. Uh, so it's usually what that not the Academy Awards go for. Like they like when there's a small when there's like a really excellent small movie and a big movie, they will usually choose the big you usually will find they go for the big movie i don't think you've paid attention at all throughout this process that we've been on i think i paid attention explicitly but usually forget i think those are two different things so go back and listen to the moonlight episode at least yeah well no that's that's um now i'm talking i'm talking then like the fit like the 40s the 50s the 60s Mm. but that was the era of you know we're gonna pick the the, the the movie with the big scope. That's okay. the yeah yeah. Anyway, let's actually talk about To Kill a Mockingbird first. Um, it's near and dear to both this, of us. Uh, this is this is gonna throw me off now. What? Oh, because it uh, <laughs> because it didn't win, and I'm starting with it. Yeah, yeah like uh, all right, I have no up. idea where to go from here. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> To Kill a Mockingbird, directed by Robert Mulligan. Uh, directed by Robert Mulligan, written by Horton Foot, based on the novel by Harper Lee, starring Gregory Peck, Mary uh, Badham, Brock. Peters um, and many other people but I just got to throw in a very silent Robert Duvall mm-hmm. in there um, nominated for best picture best supporting actress for Badham director best cinematography for a black and white film and best music this movie won best actor for Gregory Peck adapted screenplay and best art direction for a black and white film if you don't know To Call Mockingbird uh, it is the story of um, Atticus Finch as seen through the eyes of his children um, as he a lawyer in depression era south defends a black man against an undeserved rape charge uh and you know his children learn lessons about prejudice and growing up and stuff um and that's the friend truman capote and their best friend dill aka truman capote yeah. correct <laughs> well i think most everybody has seen to kill a mockingbird has read to kill a mockingbird or at least has heard about to kill a mockingbird or um, has gone to see the play to kill a mockingbird and we've done all of those things no um, i have not I, read it you have not read it i'm no. surprised for it's how much that you <laughs> for how 
much you actually like To Kill a Mockingbird. I'm surprised that you've never read it. Yeah, it's on my list. Good for you. Yeah. Um. So we're here to talk about the movie, though, which was moved in, like, fast production because the movie came out, like, two years after the book was published. Like, it's a it's a really, really fast turnaround. Maybe even a year now that I think about it. I think the book came out in 60 or 61. The movie's out in 62, and it doesn't win Best Picture in 1963. Um. So, um. but anyway, I, I think as, I saw... As she's writing pages, they're, <laughs> they're writing it into the script. Yeah, so then he says, what? Great, great, great. Type, yeah. type, 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 type. <laughs> um, they, uh, they, um, I saw Mockingbird when I was a kid, I think probably sometime in middle school, and then I read the book in high school. Uh, I saw the movie again. I've seen it a bunch of times through my adult life. Um, it's great. Um, mm-hmm. I don't ever think it really loses its luster. There's a part of Mockingbird, this is me coming at it from an, an English teacher in, um, in the, um, I want to say the era that we're living in right now, um, you know, um, a very prevalent Black Lives Matter neighbor um, way of thinking. Mockingbird is a is a white savior story. Like it is about like Saint the the saintly Atticus right. Finch coming in to you know to defend the black man who barely speaks in the film and speaks even less in the the book. Um, so from a particular so from a from a particular lens, it doesn't. It, it doesn't actually fly today, even just like in the past year, than it has for fifty years. Um, and that's really my my that's really my only big critique because I think everything else still works. Mayberry is it Mayberry? No, Mayberry is um um Andy Griffith, right? Yeah, yeah. Where are yeah. they from? Where are they from in To Kill a Mockingbird? Uh, Mobile. Uh, are you sure about that? Mobile, Alabama. It's somewhere in Alabama. Begins with an M. Uh, Maycomb. Alabama. Yeah. Maycomb, Alabama. Um, Honey Maycomb. I was, I was close. Mayberry, Maycomb. Um, all that works. I think Peck absolutely deserves, like, the awards. Most of the time, I feel like Peck usually deserves the awards, but he has, he imprinted what Atticus Finch is to a lot of, like, to a lot of people. His performance is really understated, and I think that's what really works about it. Like, he's so natural in it, because the whole movie is through the eyes of the kids, right? You know, so because and so it's that like scout learning about her dad and because you know like you just don't know things about your parents when you're little and so like the scene with the drabid dog and like you know oh you know your dad's the best shot in the county mm-hmm. and you know like and he doesn't talk about it he just has this look on his face all of that stuff is really well done i think the kids are gr- i think the kids are great and sometimes child actors can just kind of shout you know yeah, and- i i absolutely love the facial features and the facial expressions of Scout throughout this movie. Yeah, I mean, she was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Like, yeah. you know, it was and no lost joke. out to another kid actress. Who did she, she lose lost, out to? She lost out to uh, the Miracle Worker. Really? I did yeah. not know that. Yep. Well, wow, what a year they were yeah. just throwing throwing the kids in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, as far as your as far as your critique about it flying today, I will say that I I might agree with, if not for the fact that this is while still fictitious. It is somewhat based on a real case that her father litigated, because as we know, Atticus Finch is based off of Harper Lee's father, mm-hmm. and he was a lawyer, and this, you know, him defending a black person uh, at the time in Alabama 
Obama is something he really did. Now, I don't think it was to the extent that this this movie makes it. Uh, but you're right. It is it is a white savior and probably like like original white savior. I don't know, but mm, I don't I don't think so. But I would I would pinpoint it as one of the most famous yeah. of white of white savior stories. Um, yeah. But the other thing the thing about a white savior story this one isn't it's it isn't it's not because the because he doesn't actually save anybody. One he doesn't actually save anybody, but two like he tries. Yeah. And, but he actually like but they like succumb to the real world yep. and you know like the way things are and so there's that but um usually white savior stories are are like their gateway characters to a different to a different culture like that's mm-hmm. kind of the point of them like dances with wolves is a is a, a good uh, example of this because you know like you know he's the guy that doesn't know anything it's like a fish out of water story and mm-hmm. blah 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 and he ends up being very important and such a one and so forth but so but it's all like let me introduce you to something that you don't know about through somebody you a character you might recognize white yeah. audience right so that's that's kind of where that comes from but the story is really about like these white kids learning about the prejudice of adults in their town so so right. like it would make sense for them to see it from the perspective like their perspective this is their world and it's mm-hmm. opening up and so it, it is a white savior story you know for like the actions of Atticus but the but also a lot of what how the story presents itself is not white savior it just doesn't yeah. offer varied perspectives yeah I really um, Scout is such a great character in this movie and it's played perfectly by the little girl and you know always inquisitive always like talking a mile a minute and asking a lot of questions mm-hmm. and I, I like at the beginning when uh, after I think Mr. Mr. Cunningham leaves mm-hmm. and she's like is Mr. Cunningham poor yes are we poor we are indeed Atticus you have a you have a maid like are yep. you I Are know. you really this poor? Like, I think it. W- I uh, no, definitely not. <laughs> but it's. I think it's also like. Um, it's more about. Um, there really is no middle class at. The, you know, I mean, there is a middle class, but it's like the the line. Uh, the line is very different. I mean, like we're not poor. You and right. I. We're sitting. We're sitting here on our computers with our microphones, podcasting into the <laughs> void. We're not poor. We like bought this equipment ourselves. Whatever, but um. But a lot of times, like, oh, I can't afford that. I'm so, like, I'm poor. But you know, right. like, that's almost a phrase. So yeah. it's a bit of it's a bit of that. Um, I think from 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 Atticus, they're certainly not wealthy, you know. No. And I think that's the you know. But they do own a car in the 30s. Correct. So yeah, they're not they're not hurting. <laughs> I don't think you know. Yeah, it's weird. I want to see I want to see Atticus's uh, balance sheets now. They're probably they're uh, they're <laughs> probably impeccable if you know anything about Atticus Finch. They're they're they're. <laughs> damn near perfect yeah um, um but i agree with gregory peck just nails the nails the um character so well that you can almost never really envision somebody playing the character again no and it's funny because we saw um we saw the the sorkin play yeah. on broadway and it was we saw jeff daniels as um atticus as atticus and i before we went we were like i just don't know how i'm gonna see somebody else as atticus right. and jeff daniels was great it was a different it was a different take on the story 
mm-hmm. and therefore allowed a bit of a, a more uh, a, a varied perspective on Atticus too, because it was really more about him than it was about the kids. Right. Um, the way that the play the play is written, um, I do know that some of the book purists have a problem with Attic- the way Atticus is portrayed in the film because he is rather saint like, um, and um, he's he's very calm, he's even tempered, he's all these things, and he he does he's not always like that in the book. Um, and so well, um, the, the book snobs also dislike the play too. So they're just book snobs. That's what they are. Yeah, that's right. You know, I guess so. They were also yeah. upset. They were also upset when, um, uh, like, go tell the watchtower or whatever the heck it was called came out. What are you talking? I have no idea. Oh, the, uh, go set a the, go go set a watchman. I think yeah. we're talking about the Jimi Hendrix song for a second. No, nope, along not the even, watchtower. Not I was, even yeah, a little. All along the watchtower. Um, um, yeah, go tell a watchman, uh, which was the basically the first draft of To Kill a Mockingbird. It's mm-hmm. like the twenty years later, but she wrote that before she wrote To Kill a Mockingbird because she wrote Go Set a Watchman and it's all but and it like alludes to this trial that that kind of is the center of to kill a mockingbird and the editors said that like the one this book that you've written it's okay it's not great but i want to actually know about that trial so go write that book instead right um so people were upset about ghost out of watchman because it was like saintly atticus finch became a guy who was a product of his time just like anything like everybody else and uh that didn't that didn't work that didn't always work for people but it's okay yeah. give me some fun facts about to kill a mockingbird uh one last thing i was thinking about this as i was watching uh the movie name another movie that's as famous or as big as to kill a mockingbird where the director is not synonymous to movie. Ooh, um oh man i'm gonna i will think about that and i will think about that during the course of the episode and ask me again at the yeah. end because i okay. um yeah i my first I, my first thought is the wizard of oz like like i don't know if anybody i don't know if people can it's not like oh ten commandments cecil b demille or right you know i I don't know if people can pull the wizard of oz's director like from their yeah. from their hat so i want to say Ti- the wizard of oz yeah titanic james cameron yeah you know um you know twilight christina Hendricks. sure um yeah see i was even thinking something like something a lot older that people people know even like far past the point of their birth date um, right so yeah i'm gonna say the lawrence wizard of arabia of david Lee. yeah david lean i think is pretty heavily associated with yeah it, it, your point yeah david lean yeah. is pretty heavily associated with lawrence of arabia yeah i'm gonna say wizard of oz yeah, okay yeah that's my that's mine the first scene that gregory peck shot showed him returning home from the character's law firm while his children ran to greet him author harper lee was a guest on set that day and peck noticed her crying after the scene's film he asked lee why she was crying and she responded that peck had looked just like her late father the model for atticus lee explained that peck even had a little round stomach like her father's that's not a pot belly harper peck told her that's great acting <laughs> uh that's great despite the closeness of their characters mary badham and philip alford did not get along while filming mary would mimic philip saying his lines off camera so that he couldn't concentrate however it might not have been malice on her part in the scene where atticus drives the children to speak to helen robinson mary is mouthing gregory peck's lines at 44 minutes and 37 seconds it seems unlikely she was trying to break Greg Peck's concentration. It's possible instead that she memorized everyone's lines in each of her scenes, and she wouldn't know what her next line would be until she recited the line immediately preceding it. Has anybody just bothered to ask her now that she's an adult? Probably not. Oh, she, that's just, just like she stopped acting after. And this. She, she got nominated for an Oscar, and she's like, "That's it. 
I peaked. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, if only people actually did that. Yeah, I know some people could. Uh, some people could stand to to peak. Uh, yeah. At the Oscars and and CC later, but <laughs> alas. The exterior streetscape of the courthouse on the Universal backlot would later be reused with some minor to major modifications as the clock tower in Back to the Future. That is correct. I knew that. It's a very famous. That's a very I, famous. I know backlot it is because it, it's what I said. I know. Well, good. I'm glad that we settled that then. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a very famous back lot. They used it. Um, I know you don't care, but it's like as so far as used in WandaVision, even just, you know, just this past year, they're still using it. So uh, very good. Uh, I think a lot of people saw it. You did see it. Anyway, speaking about a movie that um, people may or may not have seen, let's talk about The Longest Day, directed by Ken Anakin and Andrew Martin, along with many other people that I didn't feel like listing. Um, written by Cornelius Ryan, based on his book, along with the accounts and writings of many other people, um, starring John Wayne, Richard Burton, Henry Fonda, Sean Connery, and a host of others that I also didn't feel like listing. Um, nominated for Best Picture, Art Direction for Black and White Film and Editing. This movie won Cinematography for Black and White Film and Special Effects. The uh, plot is the events of D-Day, June 6th, um, but told on the grand scale from both the Allied and German points of view. Um, I was told to watch this movie by a history teacher a couple of years ago. Said it's one of the most accurate and well portrayed like examples of D-Day and the events leading up to it ever. He said it was just great. I was really looking forward to this. And me yawning right now is my feelings about the um the movie. Some of it was great, like some of it was like really good, but by God, they when they meant the longest day, they <laughs> sure meant the longest day. Like, holy moly. Um, I do think that the actual battle sequences are yes. really, really well done. Like and yes. you know, people talk the opening sequence of saving Private Ryan all the time, but I'm like, clearly you actually did not see the longest day because it's not the same. It's not as visceral. It, it it's more like instead of an invasion, it's more like a saunter um onto the beaches <laughs> of Normandy. Um but there's like but especially all the stuff like that happens past the beaches and yeah. all that stuff. Like that was the strongest part of the movie for me. I thought, especially from a technical standpoint, like, visually spectacular. Like, it deserves its special effects award. I just That was yeah. really, really top-notch. Uh, but, oh my gosh, was it boring. Yeah, I mean, I will agree with you on the on the action sequences. And, like, this like this is more, like, Saving Private Ryan kind of revolutionized war movies and action movies in general, where it's like that really up-close, in-the-dirt shaky cam style action sequences to make you feel like you're really there and it works really well in in Saving Private Ryan and as we've heard me discuss before on movies I think it's been overused and done to death and done badly in a lot of cases because the sh like shaky cam is just is a valuable tool when in the right hands and somebody like Steven Spielberg it's the right hands you know someone someone not Steven Spielberg probably not mm -hmm. you know so but this is like the older style where it's like push the lens back you see the scope of the battle and it's it's well choreographed like all right you guys go here you guys go there and it doesn't look as chaotic it looks mm -mm. you know it almost looks like a not necessarily like a ballet but you know that's what, you I know, understand well coordinated you know. attack right yeah um and it's fine like there you can like both and you can enjoy both and appreciate both um while I think 
think the Saving Private Ryan version gives you more of like the like oh my god this is how it must have felt to be in the middle of it um, I do like the overall scope of The Longest Day that being said it's weird that like someone sold you on this idea that it was like you know you should watch it because of because of like it's accuracy in that where there's there's stories out there that Eisenhower left a showing of the movie because of its inaccuracy really yeah well and, like this movie's not necessarily known for being the most historically accurate guess what I thought when I was watching it I was like this doesn't like I like I know I mean you know you turn a certain age and you have to like you either have to like get into grilling or World War two or something like that right you know as a as those a are the white, only two options as as a white male you have to like <laughs> you know become really interested and, in one of those things so is that a Rhode Island thing no that's just a that's just a middle class America white male thing like you okay. gotta like like get into bowling or golf or World War two you know the dad things um and uh so I got it I chose World War two as my elective um as when I when I turned 30 and um so I yeah so I know a bit and um it did some of it just didn't line up it was like we're gonna skirt over this because movies right um, and so which is fine I mean Lawrence of Arabia is inaccurate either like, like Titanic is not incredibly it is accurate totally accurate some, um not all things in it are accurate because it's a fake story no, around a real story. event um so some things just you know that's fine I don't movies are not documentaries they don't need to be historically accurate that's not that's not their purpose unless it's a um, documentary um, I just said like they're not documentaries um so yeah but anyway um what what did you think uh i think world war ii is a good elective but i say you skip out and it's the summer we just take up disc golfing oh yeah totally yeah 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 i actually like disc golfing i so. want to go it's fun yeah. it's fun yeah all right uh i yeah you're right it's it is very long there were parts that i did enjoy at the beginning like i kind of enjoyed like the german spoke german the french spoke french yep mm -hmm. the english spoke whatever the heck they speak uh fingledy dark Yes. Yeah. Um, but overall, like, I just, like, I'm like, you know... <sighs> I, it's a little too much. Like, it's trying to look at the thing from every viewpoint, and it tries to give every point an equal time. And I'm like, I just don't care enough about it. Like, want to show me how they planned it and what they thought of? All right, I'm, I'm there for that. You know, they, the, what the Germans also thought? Okay, but, like, I don't need equal time on all three fronts. Like, yep. Maybe it's the equal time. I think that's actually a really a good point. Like, it's just, it's almost trying to give an unbiased assessment of <laughs> day uh but um, again like but i need you i need you to tell some kind of character story like there's no characters yeah. here like yeah. there are in some ways but you know like oh i recognize that actor he's he's saying lines about about the army it's good <laughs> so, oh look it's john wayne <laughs> mr support all of our troops who never actually you know who dodged the war it's correct and we love that? him for it probably well maybe not I, I, I don't, but <laughs> I actually have no opinion. <laughs> yeah. Um, and well, well, that's a good thing because I think he shows up in another couple movies this year. Oh, well, he in sure event, does. Yeah. <laughs> we got some fun facts. 
While clearing a section of the Normandy beach near Ponte de Hoc, the crew unearthed a tank that had been buried in the sand since the original invasion. Mechanics cleaned it off, fixed it up, and it was used in the movie as part of the British Tank Regiment. I will say that is one thing. Like, they shot on location. That's cool. That's yeah. very cool. In the Italy, in Italy, for the filming of Cleopatra, Roddy McDowell became so frustrated with the numerous delays during its production that he begged Daryl F. Zanuck for a part in the movie just so he could do some work. He ended up with a small role as American soldier Richard Burton, who was also uh, as, as an American soldier. Richard Burton, who was also filming Cleopatra, took the opportunity caused by the long delays to take a cameo as an RAF pilot. That's pretty cool. Actually, <laughs> that's really cool. Adolf Hitler doesn't make an appearance in the movie. In reality, he slept through the start of the D-Day landings, having taken sleeping pills. Good for him, I guess. <laughs> I guess. I guess. I guess he was overworked. Wow. What I mean, guy. the the German general that's in like the war room. Apparently, he wasn't actually there at the start either. Like he was at a strip club. Wow. They had they had to go find him. You know, but you know, <laughs> it worked. The invasion worked. So I guess God bless sleeping pills and strip clubs. <laughs> there we go. Never thought I'd say that in one sentence on a podcast before, but here we are. That was three. Uh, that was three fun facts. That was right? three. Yep. All right. The Music Man, directed by Morton DaCosta, written by Marion Hargove, based on the musical by Meredith Wilson, starring Robert Preston, Shirley Jones, Buddy Hackett, and a very little Ronnie Howard. <laughs> uh, nominated for Best Picture, Best Art Direction for Color Film, uh, Costume Design, Editing, and Sound. It won Best Music, Scoring, Adaptation, or Treatment. Um, so it's like its own little category. It's like its own little category. <laughs> so the music best has two musical categories. based off of musical. Yeah, so the Best Music, so Scoring, Adaptation, or Treatment. So it's like, oh, you you adapted some music? Good for you. But it's not original. Here's an award anyway. Um, so if you don't know the plot of The Music Man, it involves salesman Harold Hill, who poses as a boy's band leader to con naive Iowa townsfolk into purchasing instruments in order to save the town from the corruption of pool halls. Also, there's a love story. The Music Man. Um, I've seen this movie a bunch. I saw it like Kill Mockingbird. I saw it when I was a kid. Um, I love The Music Man. Music's great. Story's so hokey. But I don't even care. It's great. I love the I love the barbershop quartet. I love the sync. I love the eloquent eloquent syncopation. I love the small town Iowa folks. You got to give them a try. You got to pick a little, talk a little. Like it's all good. What do you talk? What do you talk? What do you talk? What do you talk? It's I yeah. Um, you talk because uh, I just love the music man so much. Um, so uh, huh? no, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. So I have never seen this movie or the musical or heard. I've heard a couple songs from it uh, but I've always kind of put it off because it never really seemed my speed or style mm -hmm. so uh, when I watched it I I you know I kind of had a low bar for it and I enjoyed it there are some things that I don't think work necessarily as well in the movie version than like the stage version like the opening number where um, all of the traveling salesmen are kind of mimicking the sounds of a train and singing to that style while yep. in the movie they're physically on a train I'm like I get why this works on the stage because you can't have a train on stage yes yeah you know um, but oh but so it just felt it felt redundant them being yeah. on a train and seeing the train and hearing the train 
and also and they then are syncopated syn- syn- is to the train. Right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and then um, they do it again later on with like the women singing, sounding like hens pecking. I think mm-hmm. there it works a lot better because obviously like even if, even though they intercut some like hens actually pecking, they'd be like, ah, oh, see, I, I see what you're doing. It just, it works a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, the music is pretty good. You're right. The, the, the story is hokey. And as many musicals are from this era. Kind of, yeah. And I uh, I would say the love story is uh, very, very thin. Oh, gosh, yeah. Like, yeah. like I don't like I don't exactly see like what makes her decide like to fall for him. Yeah, I don't I honestly don't know apart from he basically just wears her down, you know. <laughs> like and she's after a while she's like well she has that song about a white knight and so and blah 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 and she kind of realizes that she's like her standards are so high that like no one will ever just no one will ever ever reach them and she's just kind of looking in the wrong places and so this musical is really about settling (laughs) you know what my standards are too high oh look you're the next guy I saw after that let's go yeah exactly um I think Robert Preston is just a gem though Um, he is really good yeah like he just and Buddy Hackett is great yes yeah I think everybody is I think everybody in it is really good there's a a really good energy and chemistry from everybody in the movie and that's really hard in movie musicals because it's not stage energy like it's not the audience you're feeding off of it's Mm -hmm. whatever's happening on set and you have to make sure that the film captures that correctly and that's really really hard Um, because like I'm sure like we've all seen musicals like movie musicals where you're like that like what am I watching like what is that (laughs) um so looking at you seven brides for seven brothers (laughs) so um so yeah i just um i think this is in in the like the golden age of movie musicals i or i mean i guess it's actually not really the golden it's like the out of that age it's like the silver age of movie musicals um the i think that these are i I think it's one of the 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 better ones out there i mean that brings up a good question which which love story is thinner music man or seven brides for seven brothers seven brides for seven brothers <laughs> yeah yeah at least marion is like well educated and stuff and she's like she's just like making the decision to be like you know what maybe this guy i've seen what this guy has done for the town like every everyone was basically acting like they were from new england and and nobody was talking <laughs> to one another and everyone was so grumpy and then they remembered that they were actually in the midwest and should have been friendly the end <laughs> Good call. Good call. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love this show. I. I'm just, like stupid. Like. I. Do you ever see the? Um. Oh no. You said you never saw it. I do recommend also watching the Matthew Broderick and Christian Chenoweth um version. It was on the when Wonderful World of Disney was doing their like musical mm-hmm. remakes because they they did um Brandy's Cinderella and then they did um Matthew Broderick and Christian Chenoweth in the Music Man and they were going to do 1776 and they stopped doing the Wonderful World of Disney before that got off off the ground which is now i'm sad yeah it's like one of those like okay what parallel universe would you like to uh <laughs> visit i want the one where wonderful world of disney didn't stop and they made 1776 please really you're not looking for like world peace or nope. global warming is like not ha- climate change isn't happening like no no 1776 please I, thank you i feel like that could uh solve a lot of world problems it could it could the two songs 76 trombones and good night my someone are the same tune played in different tempo meredith wilson's 
a technique to present a masculine and feminine slant on the events surrounding Harold Hill's rival in River City and his budding relationship with Marion. That's a very cool fun fact. And this is so 76 trombones. Wait, so, um, 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 76 trombones. Let the big parade. Good night, my someone. Good night, my love. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. really, that's and, really cool. And the fact that, like, um, there's a scene towards the end where they're singing it in tandem. He's outside yes. her house singing 76 trombones. She's inside singing Good night, my sweet someone. And they switch tempo. Um, yeah. Uh, so that would be Heaven, uh, Good night, my someone. Good night, my love. With 110 cornets right behind. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good stuff. Really good stuff. There were definitely at least 76 trombones in the band of the final scene. The 150 member boys band marched six abreast and had 13 rows of trombone players, giving the band in this incarnation a total of 78 trombones. Lies. I hate being lied to in song. Lies. Robert Preston utters spoonerism near the end of the movie when when Winthrop is confronting Harold about lying. A spoonerism is a mispronunciation of a word in a phrase based on other words in the phrase. Kind of like a tongue twister. Ron Howard says to Preston, you did not. Then Preston replies, I did taught. This is supposed to be, I did too. But Preston accidentally copied what Howard was saying. For some reason, the director Martin DaCosta kept it in the movie. Possibly because it was so well acted. Well, that's lovely. Yeah. That Robert Preston was making fun of, accidentally made fun of Ronnie Howard and his lisp and, and the director kept it in because it was funny. I mean, it was. It was funny. Yeah. I did talk. Yeah. Oh, Robert Preston. Good stuff. All right. Uh, let's move on then, shall we, to Mutiny on the Bounty, directed by Lewis Milestone, written by Charles Lerdeter. Lerdeter. That's a, tar- oh, a horrible last name. Charles Lerdeter, based on the novel by Charles Nordiff and James Norman Hall, starring Marlon Brando, Trevor Howard, Richard Harris, and Torita. Nominated for Best Picture, Cinematography for Film and Color, Art Direction for Film and Color, Editing, Special Effects, Original Song, and Music. This movie won zero awards, and I couldn't be happier about that. Just kidding. That's not nice. I know, it was all right. Um, In 1787, in 1787, we sailed the open seas. You know what I'm talking about? Pocahontas. Yeah. British ship Bounty leaves Portsmouth to bring a cargo of breadfruit from from Tahiti, but the savage on-board conditions imposed by Captain Bly trigger a mutiny led by Officer Fletcher Christian. Um... This we is the already second wa- time we've seen this movie. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, we've already watched A Mutiny on the Bounty um, with Charles, our boy Charles Lawton, yeah. um, who still is going to, as of right now, might take home the MVP for um, Best Actor in All Academy Award <laughs> movies. <laughs> um, so he has yet to steer us wrong. And um, and this one, I think, focused on the wrong things. Um, it was like, it, it took a little bit to get to Tahiti, and then we spent a long time in Tahiti where things were fine and then they went back and the, and then they were like, boo, mutiny. Like, you know, I was like, <laughs> no. Like, I mean, to be fair, that's how I felt about the first one. Like, they were just like, no, we want to we wanna go back to Tahiti. Yeah, yeah. I, it, all of this was fine. I thought it went through periods where I was like, I was like invested in it and then there were a lot of periods where I wasn't invested in it at all. Um, mm-hmm. Brando was doing a thing. I don't really know what it was. I don't think anybody would 
it was. But he decided on whatever it is he decided on, and he went for it. Like, I think you had texted me where it was like, speaking of British accent, Brando just speaks in a slightly higher octave than he normally speaks. <laughs> like, and sometimes it was British, sometimes it wasn't. His part's not, like, his part, obvious Brando, so even Brando's, like, most phoned-in role will earn him an Academy Award, like, or at least, like, like move him into being in an Academy Award film. That's, like, that's just I, Brando. I don't need to speak in a British accent. Look, I have a bow in my hair. That's how you know I'm British. Yeah, and it was. So, um, so it, yeah, I, I, I think everybody kind of delivered, everyone, I felt like everyone kind of delivered their all, but it just didn't come together well yeah. enough. Maybe it was just overly long, like, if it had moved at a faster pace, because there's nothing really wrong with the movie. It's very pretty. Everybody's good in it. I don't think Trevor Howard was a great, I don't, excuse me, I don't think he was a great Bly, um, but I'm also comparing him against Charles Lawton just by, you know, having seen that one already. Right. And, but I just didn't feel that he was evil, I guess. Like, nothing, at all. none of his hardships felt hard. Even, like, when they were, like, even when he was whipping people, I was like, eh, that's fine. They even when he told people it. they had to climb a giant, a, a giant pole to get a ladle to drink water and then have to climb the giant pole again to put it back. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. He was having fun. Good for him. Yeah. I mean, I kind of, I'm kind of with you on Trevor Howard and not necessarily just because of Charles Lautner, but because, uh, you know, I just, I don't think Trevor Howard's usually that good. So what else have I seen him in? Because he, he was didn't... gone with the wind. Oh, gone with the wind. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Which I don't actually think we've done yet, but no, we have not. That's, that'll be 1940. It'll be our second That'll be a, like episode. a, yeah. Um, but he has been in other stuff, but he's never really memorable. Uh, Brando, Brando's good. Um, I kept forgetting that that was Richard Harris in the movie. I did too, mostly because he didn't talk like this. Yeah, he was very quiet. Yeah, yeah. And they didn't have to replace him halfway through with another Dumbledore. Correct. That is correct. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Marlon Brando's good. You're right. It just, it's a, it's a three-hour movie, and they get to Tahiti. I honestly think they get to Tahiti pretty fast, and then it just kind of stops when it gets to Tahiti. Mm-hmm. Like we have giant, we have a giant dancing number uh, that's very reminiscent of like the Ewoks partying, <laughs> yep. and and that's kind of where, it, and that's kind of where it grinds to a halt. Uh, yeah, I was really looking forward to this movie, and uh, I I wouldn't watch it again. Like if I want to watch Mutiny on the Bounty, I'm gonna watch the original. Yep. Yeah. I don't. Know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even uh, think I, I've seen. This is the third version of Mutiny on the Bounty because I saw the eighties okay. with. Uh, Mel Gibson and Anthony Hopkins. Is that the? I don't think that's the eighties. That's that's pretty it's, new. I think, right? No, that's eighties or very, 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 very early nineties. Mutiny. It's just called the mutiny the, or the bounty. I think two. it's just called the bounty. Yeah, that's it. 84. Yeah. yeah. 84. Wow, I so, thought that was... I thought that... Lawrence Olivier's in that movie, too. Yes. So was Daniel Day-Lewis. Yes. And Bernard Hill. And Liam Neeson. Yep. Wow. These are all things that happen. Wow. This movie's stacked. Yeah. And it is the second best version. Dexter Fletcher. What? Yeah. Cool. I might watch this one day. You should. It's pretty good. Yeah. I bet Hopkins was a good bly. I can see that. Uh, he was. He was. But, I mean, he's somewhere in the middle of, of Charles and Trevor. Okay. Well, I mean, that's not hard. You yeah. Know. <laughs> yeah. It's 
like it's like a ten or a one. He's somewhere. He's somewhere on that spectrum. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. You, you did uh, your three facts right. No. No, I'm doing no. the three facts right there. Uh, this is so. Let me just. Uh, okay. So I only seem to have one instance of it, but know that this is peak Marlon Brando on set antics yes. time so yes. there are there are lots of stories about brando's antics on this uh this is the one that i choked on one occasion marlon brando moved the marks where richard harris supposed to stand during a tent scene on the deck of the bounty over the next three takes he'd change his mind and moved harris somewhere else harris knowing that brando was looking for a confrontation meekly went where he was told he told the fellow actors forget your grand ideas lads we're just cabbages in this man's cabbage pack <laughs> ah, that's great. I guess my question is, like, why was Brando even looking for a confrontation from Harris in the first place? Like, what does that gain? Any, like, what does anybody Because gain he's a method that? actor. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's nonsense. But, yeah, there is, there is plenty of uh, Brando things that went on in this movie. So, you know, have fun looking at those. In the scene where William Bly's court-martial, the judge reprimands Bly for his excess of zeal and, in mis- and administering discipline and comments contemptuously on his family background. The admirality has always sought to appoint its offices from the ranks of gentlemen. This is unhistorical. In reality, the court not only exonerated Bly, but praised him for his bravery and exemplary seamanship in his command of the open vessel that Bly and the Loyalists managed to reach Timor in. The film passes rapidly over this voyage, in stark contrast to The Bounty, 1984, which is markedly more sympathetic to Bly. In his book, The Hollywood History of the World, Screenwriter and historical novelist George MacDonald, George MacDonald Frazier, calls this scene an offensive fiction and says that despite the film's instance of on the difference between Bly and Christian social background, both men were from good but not upper class families. This is also known as the least um, historically accurate version of the of the event. Gotcha. I mean, I actually always forget that this is a true story. So, yeah. like, part of me is always like, oh yeah, yeah. they really did mutiny on the bounty. Didn't yeah. they? And they really did shoot in Tahiti. And Brando decided to move like thirty minutes farther away from the set, so he, you know, he could not be on time. Oh, what a what a monster! Yeah. This is also uh, Tarita was um, the um, Tahitian princess is also uh, was also Brando's third wife. Yeah, um, you know who I Brando's believe the second... one that was with him the longest. Yeah, too. you know who Brando's second wife was? Uh, no, I can't remember the actress who played the same role in the original Mutiny on the Bounty. Wow, he has a type. <laughs> it's very specific type, <laughs> but he has people. One. People who played the the chief's daughter in Mutiny on the Bounty. Correct. Yeah. Correct. The ship built for the film sank in the Atlantic Ocean after taking on water in October 29, 2012, during Hurricane Sandy off the east coast of the United States. It was last seen with only its mast standing above the water. Two of the crew died: the captain, Robin Walbridge, and Claudine Christian, the direct descendant of Fletcher Christian. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's horrible but yeah. i can't believe that the it was still around that long like that's pretty amazing but it's the way that it ended is not great yeah pretty terrible kind of yeah yeah well let's talk about the last film shall we sure all right lawrence of arabia directed by david lean aka <laughs> none of my films are lean um written by robert bolt and michael wilson based on the writings of t.e lawrence starring peter o'toole alec guinness anthony quinn jack hawkins 
Hopkins, Jose Ferrer, Claude Rains, and Omar Sharif. Nominated for Best Actor for O'Toole, Supporting Actor for Sharif, and Adapted Screenplay. This movie won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Cinematography for a Film in Color, Art Direction for a Film in Color, Sound, Editing, and Music. Uh, this is about the, the story of T.E. Lawrence, the English officer who successfully united and led the diverse, often warring Arab tribes during World War One in order to fight the Turks, a.k.a. the Ottoman Empire. Um, Lawrence of Arabia, pretty famous film, pretty much defined the sound, the music pretty much defined the sound of the desert, right? Um, you know, like you, you put a stick of movie in a desert now and it, it's kind of copying Lawrence of Arabia. Um, yeah. I would say most notably the Jerry Goldsmith's The Mummy. Like if you go and listen to the score for The Mummy, it's pretty much just Lawrence of Arabia, um, <laughs> which is great. I think that's awesome. Um, I had never seen Lawrence of Arabia. I had never seen Lawrence of Arabia. I've always wanted to. The runtime of the film has always scared me. 17 and, days. Yeah, my gosh. Yeah. I was like, okay, see you in forever, never. Um, I surprisingly really enjoyed it. I didn't think, because I don't always really like David Lean's films. Like, I find them, like, they're, I find them always good, but really bloated. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was something about, it, there was something about Lawrence of Arabia that that I, I really liked. It, it might have been its real focus on Lawrence, where it's like, there's a lot and of not- other stuff, there's a lot of other stuff happening, but, like, it's, it is about his transformation from, you know, you know, what is it, Lieutenant Lawrence to, I think he was Lieutenant, or Colonel Lawrence, um, to, you know, like, this guy, like, who was, like, a cartographer and, like, kind of, uh, people thought he was kind of a weirdo and all this stuff, like, all the way through, you know, like, what they saw as, like, you know, almost like the hero, you know, Lawrence of Arabia. Um, it's very, like, it's just very cool. Super inaccurate, like, not even close to, like, history. Um, but, um, says this, you. It says a lot of historians. Um, was well, so, this the same historian who said longest day was accurate? Uh, no, that was a different guy. <laughs> um, so, um, but I mean, I don't know the story of Lawrence of Arabia, so like I only know that it's in it's inaccurate because I looked it up afterwards. Um, but I don't care. It's a, like I said, it's a movie. <laughs> Turns out it took place in Canada. Yeah, twist. Yeah, Lawrence of Canada just doesn't have the same <laughs> oomph to it. Right. Um, it just doesn't. Um, I think if you look kind of broadly at Lawrence of Arabia, you'll be like, okay, so this movie is almost four hours long, and you won best editing, and you're like, no, no. Chop chop, but it's not. It's not really. You should about... have seen the unedited version. I know. You know, I'm, they'd still. They're still watching it from 1962 <laughs> onward. They're still watching it, but it's. It's a lot of. It's a. It's. It's actually a lot of the way that the shots are set up in the way that they transition between scenes. So like the dissolve. The, the yeah. The match. The um. The smash cut. Um. Is it, was it the smash cut? No. The match cut. Um. With the match and the sun. Right. When yep. he gets it, like at the beginning, I think I've seen that on like every like best editing list ever that's yeah. out there for films, and so it's stuff and like that. Say again, and in Aladdin, they do that in Aladdin. Yeah, when, remind uh, me when uh, Robin Williams at the beginning, and he's starting to tell the story. He lights a match. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. I would not have associated that with Lawrence of Arabia, but now I will. Yeah. Actually, Aladdin is a great example of all like, historical. The, accuracy uh, yes but <laughs> um um i was going to say that using like
like the Lawrence of Arabia score as template yeah. for the sound of the desert. Same thing. Yep. Um, it's all Lawrence of Arabia. So yeah, I I I understand why it won Best Picture. Like yeah. that's like. So, go mean, ahead. I mean, I I texted you this as I was watching it. Like David Lean is Warner Herzog. If Warner Herzog made good, like they both uh, make very pretty movies and very long movies. But as we've as we've said with like the Thin Red Line, Werner Herzog makes really boring movies that look Thin Red really Line pretty. Is, Thin Red Line is not a uh, Werner uh, Herzog movie. It's, um, th- that's a ter- that's a Terrence Malick movie. Oh well, then David Lean is Terrence Malick. If Terrence there Malick made go. good movies, I, that's why I was a little confused when you were like, "He's like Werner Herzog," and I was like, "No, he's really not." That's why. But I was I rolled with it. I, I wanted to see yeah, what you would come why. up with. I don't know why. Yes, I Terrence it was Malick. That makes way more sense. Yeah. Yeah. At least David Lean is interested in a story, though. Whereas I right. don't. Oh, D- Terrence Malick is really <laughs> just uh, interested in like the 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 grass. He's yeah right. <laughs> thin red light. He's interested in the mood. He's interested in mood and tone yeah. and like particular shots. But he's not overly interested in narrative. Whereas right. that's that's what like David Lean actually cares about the story. Cares and, about character. And this movie goes along pretty you know for a, for a close to four hour movie. This movie goes along at a pretty good clip where it doesn't necessarily like yeah there are times you can cut this and be like uh, you know we're getting a little we're getting a little long here people but it goes by in my opinion faster than longest day totally and you know it, <laughs> is... it goes by faster than some hour and a half movies I've yeah seen. um and i think some of that is to the credit of the actors like the it is very well acted so long scenes where people are talking are still interesting to watch and listen to mm-hmm. you know like peter o'toole is just a delight to listen to all the time he although is. it's weird because like Peter O'Toole then and then Peter O'Toole in just like a decade with like say Star are like totally you're talking about play? Alec Guinness no didn't Peter O'Toole play the general that died no you're, ta- you're talking about Grand Moff Tarkin sure yeah no no you know more Star Wars than that I honestly I his name I kind of remember but yeah that guy uh, no the- you're talking about Peter Cushing oh yeah who does look like an older Peter uh, O'Toole, Peter O'Toole. Tool. Yeah, I'm... yeah, I'm with you. No, um, Peter O'Toole played. Um, if you want to go sci-fi, um, Peter O'Toole played one of the Kryptonians from the Supergirl movie in. Oh 84. yeah, that was great. Yeah, he was also. When did we watch that movie? He was also. Um, <laughs> we're not watching it for this show. I can tell you that, but um, he was. Um, let's see, older Peter O'Toole was in Troy. If you remember, Troy. Yeah, Troy was great. Then yeah. that's fine because, like, I was thinking. Of Grand Moff Tarkin, and I'm like, wow, he really changed up his delivery. Uh, that's because it's <laughs> wow, he really changed up his DNA because he's a completely different person. Like, Look, wow, both... that's method acting, Brando. Yep. Take notes. <laughs> yeah, they're both, they're both named Peter. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Wow, you're just like you're all over the place. It's, um, look, these movies were like 18 hours long a piece. It's been a week. Yeah, I actually agree with you about the like the clip of Lawrence of Arabia though, because I I was expecting to watch it over a couple of days. That's just the way yeah. I was like, it's a long movie and I'm just, and I watched
watched it all in one day. Like, I couldn't get over the fact that I, like, felt compelled to continue watching it. Right. And, and that was, you know, obviously, I, I have nothing, there's nothing wrong with long movies. Um, But I, uh, if you're invested in the material, but sometimes length doesn't always equal quality. It just right. means long. And I will say, like, you make fun of David Lean because of, like, the time, the time, the runtime of his movies. But both times, it, you know, it's been fine. Like, yeah, Lawrence of Arabia is a four-hour movie. It's interesting. It's good. I'm, you know, yeah, I would love it to be shorter, but okay, it's four hours, whatever. Um, you know, Bridge on the River Kwai. Yep. That was yeah, we saw, River, right? Yeah, River Kwai okay. was good. It, that one was the one that was, that one I feel was yeah. longer than, um, longer than, um, than, than, necessary. than some others. But yeah. Dr. Zhivago, um, Passage to India, these are the ones that we have watched for David Lean. Yeah, um, see, I think the there was Kwai? another, there was another one in there. What was the yeah, one? Yeah, no, it was, okay. Yeah, because we, watched, that was we the, watched, that was the Lawrence one with Arabia. that whistling, right? Yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we did Lawrence of Arabia, Bridge River, River Kwai, Dr. Zhivago, and A Passage to India. Wow. Those were... Yeah, no, Passage to India was bad. That was probably his, the one that felt, that was the one that felt the longest. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Um, but he, he's got a great visual eye for scenes, obviously has a talent in picking actors, although they will eventually hate him and try and murder him. Um, uh, that yeah, being said... Yeah, well, yes. You know, actually, we have a, um, a less than two-hour David Lean movie coming up. Sorry, um, that doesn't exist. It's it's called In Which We Serve, and it's an hour and 55 minutes, and it's for this season. It's for the 1943 episode. Interesting. Um, I will say, what I find absolutely hilarious in this four-hour movie is how the end seems very truncated. Yeah, it does. Like, where they're like, and the war is over. Get in this truck, please. Yeah, it's and like, then movie's Lawrence, over. Gets, Lawrence gets captured, gets freed, and then he's like, you know what? I'm done. I would have said everything that they wanted to hear. I'm out. Roll credits. Yeah. Oh, man. I actually really like the way that this movie starts, Um, too, because it's almost... Death? Because then you're like, all right, I know what happens at the end of this movie. In some ways, but it almost, like, eliminates the tension so you can focus on other... You can focus on other things, like, oh, are they gonna, like, kill him, or are they gonna do right. this? So you can see maybe where... How he gets to that point. Um, We've got to... We've not even... We haven't really talked about this. The scope of the film is so large... And like in in the, like where they go, they film a lot in uh, Morocco, in Jordan, in Spain, and it's all over the place. And it's um like some of the like the horse maneuvers that they do. My wife is a um a horseback rider, and so like she um, equestrian. Uh, she's an equestrian. Um, so um so I have an appreciation for like what people are doing on horses now than I like I used to because I I have no experience riding horses. And I'm, like I could count on one hand the amount of times I was close to a horse you know before i met my wife so um uh so i i i like whenever there's like horse stunts i like always like call her into the room to be like what look look what are they doing is it is it hard <laughs> is that difficult and so like she'll be like oh they're just doing that like we do that as warm-up so we do that that's like that's pretty easy but like what like this and this and this that's really hard even stuff as simple as like riding together in formation is really hard because right. you have to like all be aware on how fast you need your horse to travel and at what time and that gets real that gets more complicated the more and more people you add to it um so so um so anyway great horse stunts in lawrence of arabia <laughs> great horsing yeah but i mean it got specific because she was even looking at like the horses that they were riding she's like those aren't desert horses they would never survive out in the desert it's a completely different breed that they would be riding and i'm like i, like, I wouldn't know that like <laughs> you just start spraying her with water go away you're go. ruining my enjoyment you're you're, 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 you're you're ruining the magic <laughs> like uh, uh, I, 
right, give me some uh, give me some fun facts on Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, fun facts: the horses used in the movie were not desert horses. They would never have survived. <laughs> wow! Yeah. What what a coincidence that that's one of your fun facts. This movie took longer to make than it did for the real T.E. Lawrence to go from lieutenant to colonel and to see the desert tribe united and thus tip the balance in the Allies' favor against the Turks in one. That's crazy. Yep. That's actually crazy. How <laughs> long did this movie take to film? I don't know. Okay, great. To film Omar Sharif's entrance through a mirage, Freddie Young used a special 482-millimeter lens from Panavision. Panavision still makes this lens, and it is known among cinematographers as the David Lean lens. It was created specifically for this shot and has not been used since. Huh, but they still make it anyway. Yeah. Cool. During an appearance on The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson in the 70s, Peter O'Toole described just how long the movie took to make. He referred to the scene when T.E. Lawrence and Edmund Allenby, after their meeting, continued talking while walking down a staircase. According to Peter O'Toole, part of the scene had to be reshot much later. So in the final print, when I get to the bottom of the stairs, I'm a year older than when I was when I started walking down them. That's hilarious. Yep. And also cool. Like, what a weird time, what a weird, like, trippy time travel thing to watch that if you were in it and then getting filmed and then be like, a whole year of my life passed walking down those stairs. It's like I'm on one of those planets in uh, in Interstellar. Like, yep. all that time has passed. Good Get stuff. more. Yeah. No, that's three. Okay, great. Um, Alright, well, you can find us on AcademyRewind.com and ThoughtBubbleAudio.com for all of ThoughtBubble Audio shows. At Academy Rewind on Twitter, at TimothyPG13 for myself. Rate and review us on iTunes, and you can find us all other places. Podcasts can be found in any app, in any store, on a boat, in a plane, in a train, wherever. What do you talk? What do you talk? What do you talk? What do you talk about the 1963 Rewindies? Let's do this. Of course, um, it's all, you know, you know, it's all the categories. You know, we, we can only pick movies out of these movies. I mean, we can only pick the winners out of these five movies um i am <laughs> um i really think we should add a director like one like into this one time because you know like think about just like okay if the director is the great organizer if that's the like how hard was it to like mm -hmm. work with the child actors or wrangle the horses or anything like that so one next I season i don't think be... the director was wrangling horses no they but he had to hire the people to wrangle the horses you know like did he get the right people who knows i mean the movie got made so anyway the best director's coming but not today zerg let's start with supporting actor i'm going to give it to omar sharif from lawrence of arabia uh i am going to give it to alec guinness from lawrence of arabia great we didn't mention his awkward makeup at all do should we no let, okay great. let the people find out on their own okay good stuff all right uh best supporting actress i'm going to give to Tarita <coughs> from mutiny on the bounty because <coughs> she had to work with marlon brando and i think that deserves an award Award. And then live with him. And then live with it for a long time. Yeah. For a long uh, time. I'm giving it to the group of nuns from The Longest Day who just casually walk while a ongoing battle is going on. Okay, you can't do that. No, I am doing but, it because uh, they are they are great. Not only do they walk through the, the invasion of Normandy while it's going on, but they're like, all right, we're here as medical people. And they're like, no, go away. And they're like, nope, too late. We're already here. Oh, goodness gracious. Okay. Okay. Um, production design. I'm going to give to Lawrence of Arabia. 
I'm going to give it to To Kill a Mockingbird. Good stuff. Good choice. Um, costume design, I'm going to give to The Music Man. Uh, Lawrence of Arabia. You know, that was my original choice because, like, I think, like, his white his white outfit, I find, mm-hmm. is, like, pretty famous. Like, mm-hmm. you kind of see it and you're like, oh, yeah, Lawrence of Arabia. Right. But I just like a lot of the textures and, like, prints and stuff from um, Music Man. They were very fun. Makeup and hairstyling, I'm going to give to Mutiny on the Bounty, particularly for Marlon Brando's ponytail. They cued me in to tell me that he was British. <laughs> English. I really should say he was English. Right. Yeah. Uh, is this hair and makeup? Yeah. Uh, I am going to give to Me on the Bounty. Cool. Uh, best music? I'm going to give to Lawrence of Arabia. Yes. Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. The sound of the desert, man. Like, that's yep. so important. Um, uh, visual effects, I'm going to give to The Longest Day. Mutiny on the Bounty. Cool. Good stuff. I, I accept that. Uh, cinematography? Lawrence of Arabia. Lawrence of Arabia. Editing, Lawrence of Arabia. Lawrence of Arabia. Sound, the music man. I will go, uh, I will, the hill I will die on, that to make it look and sound like people are actually singing in a movie musical is really hard, and I think that they did it well in the music man. Uh, Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah, that's probably a great choice, too, or something. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, best actor, Gregory Peck in To Kill a Mockingbird. Gregory Peck. Best actress, Mary Batum for To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yep. What did you have? What was your original choice? No. I mean, yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah, I know. Because it was a good choice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Best writing, To Kill a Mockingbird. To Kill a Mockingbird. Good. And best picture, Lawrence of Arabia. To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. I think either. I think that's a re- that was a really hard choice for me on both sides. Like, Yeah. I honestly, when I said earlier, they like the Academy I, goes for scope. That was me yeah. cueing you in to be like, I also go for scope because I appreciate Lawrence of Arabia, but I would I would say that To Kill a Mockingbird is one of like maybe the ten is one of the ten perfect movies of all time. Wow, um, you know, like there's there's really nothing you can you can pick at in that movie. Nope, there really isn't. I it's it is pretty flawless from the top down, and yeah. I could definitely pick at some things in Lawrence of Arabia, but I think the effort of Lawrence of Arabia maybe is just er- maybe if Lean got the movie in in under a year sure yeah but well, you, you know, know if I he, wasn't around yeah if it took him like two or three years like you had all that time you should have made a really good movie it should have could have would have but you know what you know it's fine I think I think it's a very good movie I can see why it it always crops up on the like you know where this is Hollywood Lawrence of Arabia this is right. what movies are yeah Lawrence of Arabia but so does um, To Kill a Mockingbird and usually To Kill a Mockingbird lands higher I think it's actually I was just thinking more like in like marketing stuff and whatever else like right you know, but um I think both films are almost like a, a very nice synthesis of like what a movie can be mm-hmm. it can either really it can be a small story that's character you know that's like character driven and you know like um you know more internal than external and then you have Lawrence of Arabia that's like so large and bombastic and like involves like things that you would never like, 
like you could never see in your life. So it's either mm-hmm. let it me reflect life back to you or show you something that you might never experience. And so they're both like really cool, definitive versions of what movies are for people. So yeah. Yeah. All right. Good choices. Um, In the grand scheme of like movies that we've watched for this, I actually enjoyed every one of these movies. Like for, you know, like even like the longest day for as like long as it was and stuff I didn't care for mm-hmm. the stuff that was good was really good. And so like, cause we watch movies that are just awful. Just Looking trash. at you, 1970s. Yeah. Oh, the 70s. No, not always. We just watched the Godfather, you know? Yeah. Like, but we had to watch deliverance and I like deliverance, deliverance too. And we didn't watch that. I don't know whatever, what you're talking about. whatever else was nominated Deli- the same de- year as the Godfather delivered again. Um, okay. So, uh, up next in 1953, the movies are as follows. The greatest show on earth, the quiet man, high noon, Ivanhoe and Moulin Rouge. Oh, finally we get to the Ewan McGregor and Nicole Kidman movie. Obviously we do not because it, this is the 1953 version. Too late. I'm already watching it. It did kind of inspire the 2001 version. Um, Because of the name. Because of the name, the location. It's kind of about love. There are some of the same people in it, actually. But Well, yeah, um, because they're they're real people. They are real people in in this movie. Yeah, it's kind of a biography. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. But anyway, that's it. But that's actually really it from us because they're playing us off. No, I have some more people to thank. Too bad. Bye. Bye.